and welcome to Simon Says Let's Talk Business. I'm your host, Al Simon, with Sandler Training by Simon Inc. on Business Radio X. And I am pumped. Got two oh, yeah. great guests today. Great guests. I got Wes Littlejohn with Marathon Financial Strategies. Welcome, Wes. Thank you, Al. And I got Derek Harp with the CyberList. Thanks, Al. Welcome, Derek. We're going to talk some business today. We're going to have some fun. At the end, we're going to maybe even give a sales tip. What do you uh, think about that? A uh, sales tip? Sounds great. Yeah. Everybody loves sales, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah got to. Yeah. yeah. Let's start by talking financial planning, huh? Wes, you had financial planning and wealth advisement yeah. and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've yeah. been doing that for 14-something years? Yeah, 14 years. Yeah. Flies by. You don't even look 13, actually. Uh, so yeah, I'm, not, uh, I'm not sure 15, how that goes. Yeah. Yeah, so just curious, though, I mean, because, you know, you've been around a while, and uh, you started out, I think, as a CPA, right, yeah. doing taxes and stuff. So yeah, yeah. what? why did you choose what you're doing now? Well, it started really when I was a uh, – my grandfather uh, got, me invest, uh, got me involved in investing. Uh, he gave me General Electric stock, and he gave me some Pfizer stock when I was a teenager. And I got real excited about the stock market. And my grandfather sat down with me, and he said, it's not as easy as it looks, son. He said, son, <laughs> watch about your money there, son. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. So, so he sat down and he said, this is why I bought these companies. And this is, you know, this is why we, 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 we invest in the market. And so he, he sort of laid the groundwork for my interest and love for uh, investing in the stock market. And later, my, my father and my mom, they, they sat down with me and they said, all right, uh, there's more to stocks. There's there's saving and there's planning and. And you've got to do these type things to, to be successful in life. And I remember my father uh, sold his General Electric stock to to uh, to pay for my sister's college. And I, I remember uh, just multiple examples of, of my parents saving and and uh, and planning ahead to to pay for things and, and using the money correctly and yeah. using the money correctly. So yeah. I, you know, the legacy of my grandfather and the legacy of my my parents, you know, it's it stayed with me. And that's why I got into financial planning. And that's why I had an interest in it. Cool. But there's tons of wealth advisors and financial planners out there. What makes you different? Yeah, well, I mean, Al, there are a lot of uh, financial planners, but there's not a lot of financial planners that are CPAs on top of being certified financial planners. And, and there's a lot of financial planners out there that know they're versed on the basics of taxes, and, but they're not really tax planners. So they're not really looking at situations like, corporate executives that are exercising stock options, mm -hmm. what is the best way to exercise these stock options? If you're, a, if you're a small business owner, what are the best retirement plan options out there? What, what are they? I mean, is it a solo 401k? Is it a 401k? Is it a cash benefit? Uh, plan there's there's so many you're already, you're already confusing me okay yeah. <laughs> so, you've only named three i think yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. so just all these strategies i mean there's you know retirees that make charitable contributions what's the best way to make charitable contributions and, mm. and get a tax benefit and a roth ira i could go on and on about the things that i do for clients but yeah. it's really the tax planning piece that makes me different than most of the financial advisors that are out there because you know yeah, I know the tax. The, the consequences of the tax, or the yes. tax, what but what do you call them? Just the tax benefits, yeah, or how, yeah. to use, how to do it correctly? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the tax benefits. Yeah. So okay. that, that's, uh, you know, that makes me, uh, there's probably one out of maybe 50 guys that do what I do. Really? CPAs. It's it's a very small minority. Okay. Is that, is that why you chose the name Marathon Financial Services? What's, what's, the, what's up with that name? So, Al, I, you know, you, you probably 
I probably don't look like much of a marathon runner at this point, but oh, I've seen you run the tennis court, but that's not very far. Yeah, Alan would go way back. <laughs> that's not 26 <laughs> miles. But, but, but I've always loved sports, and particularly I've, I've loved endurance sports. When I was eight years old, I made the city championship meet. I was the smallest kid, and, wow. I, and I made the, uh, the IM. It was a four-lap butter bag breast-free. I made the championship, and I, and I did it because, <laughs> because I, was, uh, I, 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 uh, I, I had endurance, and I, I worked hard, and, 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 and that love, that endurance sport uh, translated into high school. I ran cross-country in high school. Yeah. Then I ran cross-country in college. I went on to do the Boston Marathon, the Chicago Marathon, Did you? the Rome Marathon. And, and yeah. that, I've had a passion for marathons and running and endurance sports. And investing money, financial planning is a lot like marathons. It takes perseverance. It takes hard work it takes it's not something that happens right away i mean when i planned for the boston marathon i went months and months out training every day running yeah. my 10 15 mile runs it's the same way with putting a financial plan together for somebody you've got to you know think far ahead and 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 uh and that's why like why i came up with the name fi- marathon financial strategies it's a great way to that's a great name for that scenario and you've always told me you know, don't look at short-term stuff like what's the market doing yeah. short-term. Yeah. I mean, look, you got to look long-term. You got to yeah. I mean, stay the plan. I mean, we're going to yeah. have bad years like we had last year, but if you stay yeah. the course, then yeah. you'll be fine. And the most yeah. important thing is what are your long-term goals? What are your objectives? And are, are we on track? Are we not? Yeah. I don't even look at my statement. No, I, I, don't, <laughs> I just don't I look at it. And that's it, life is better when you don't look at yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get it. Just, uh, yeah, yeah it, it makes a lot of sense. Just uh, stay the stay the course and... It's a marathon, not a sprint. Now, cool. So, so I know you've had because you, you, you've told me some of these stories. But you have some interesting stories about, you know, times when maybe your clients came to you in a, like a crisis situation, yeah. and that you know they weren't prepared, and they they want you to bail them out. Or yeah. you know, give us one of those stories. Tell us, give us an example. Well, this is uh, this is not the most. It's a little bit of a, a, a touching, sad story, Al. But, but I had a client that came to me, and 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 their husband had uh, passed away suddenly. Yeah. And they were devastated, uh, and she she let him handle everything from the repairs on his house to the, uh, you know, just all the, the finances and paying the bills, and, and she'd never really handled those type of situations. So, she, so she's already grieving, and she's clueless. Yeah. Uh, so she's yeah. clueless, and yeah. she's grieving. Uh. And and so I, I, I got her on the phone. I said, we're going to be okay. When your husband retired, we sat down, we put together a financial plan, we put we we put all your documents together, we um we we've got everything in order, and and so that, you know, that gave her a lot of comfort, and yeah. so over the next year or so, we 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 called uh, the insurance companies, we called Social Security, we put together a budget, yeah, we did all the basics, so we had everything consolidated in the in in the same place. We put beneficiaries on file, and so everything was was all set for, and and so that that gave me sort of a lot of confidence when she said. We've got a plan for you. You're on track. You know, you've done what yeah. you're supposed to do for me. And, and, and that must have been awesome to see her relax and, yeah. and focus on the things she needed to focus on because you had the money taken care of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like I said, she yeah. was uh, her husband. I mean, her job was to, to take the bills from the mailbox to the kitchen. And, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she didn't even open them. Right. He didn't. And she yeah, never yeah, opened the mail. Yeah. And, and, and so she's she's doing it and she's yeah. on her own and she's she's getting all this stuff taken care of. And. That's great. And I'm proud of her for, you know, for, for doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. good. That's good stuff. And I know you've got tons of other stories oh, yeah. like that because yeah. 
you deal with real stuff in people's lives. Yeah, and absolutely. That's, yeah, that is, yeah. that's awesome. So and speaking of, the, of real people, I mean, who exactly are the kinds of people that might take advantage of your services? Well, I, I would say that I really enjoy working with uh, families that, that just look, that look similar to my family. I've got a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old. The things that I'm worried about, I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about leaving a legacy. I'm worried if something happens to me, my kids, you know, they have to be provided for. Yes. I'm worried about those type things. I'm also worried about college and how we're going to pay for college. And those are the people that I, I really enjoy working with, yeah. S- small business owners also. You know, so families, small business owners. So a small business owner would be, uh, you know, the uh, people that are frustrated that they've, they're paying too much in taxes. Yes. I mean, they're worried that they're going to have to pay, uh, uh, you know, if something happens to them, then they'll, uh, uh, they won't be cut, you know, their, their income will be cut off and, yeah. and the business won't be able to keep running or they have families at home and they want to make sure their families are provided for. I think you just described every entrepreneur out there. Yeah. Probably, yeah. yeah. Every Ex- small business owner. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I mentioned this before, folks mm-hmm. that are, uh, you know, interested in what retirement plan is going to give them the best tax benefit and yep. what's going to keep their employees happy so that their pl- employees don't run off because you don't have adequate benefits. So yeah. I'd say families, small business owners. And then I'm also interested in, I've worked with a lot of corporate executives, and I mentioned this before, corporate executives have typically have a lot of stock and they have to figure out how to exercise their stock options. And when. Right? And when. Yeah. And so I put together a plan for, you know, how we exercise stock options and so I have a number of clients that are corporate executives I've also got uh, I mean anyway really another category would be anyone who's interested in investing and learning how to save and I mean I because your grandfather's yeah. passed all that advice on to you yeah. <laughs> you can figure that stuff yeah, out yeah exactly Good. so so I, I pass on the lessons that my grandfather you know gave me many years ago go to you know folks that uh, that need it excellent yeah. excellent now you're, you're part of a consortium of financial uh, financial advisors called Integrand, Inter, I'm sorry, Integrated Financial Group, right? That's right. IFG, That's Integrated right. Financial Group. Tell us about that that group. Well, we've uh, it's it's part of LPL Financial, which is uh, the largest uh, financial planning firm, independent financial planning firm. There's there's 70 advisors in this group. They're in 10 different states, and the thing that makes it unique is we've got folks that are experts in insurance. We've got ex- people that are experts on estate planning. We've got experts on really any, if I have a complicated tax issue, I've got somebody in the group that I can piggyback on. So it really gives me a deep bench uh, that, that a lot of advisors. Good resources that you can pull on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So a lot of advisors, they're sort of, you know, maybe they work out of their house. They're, they're you know, all alone. But we're, we're independent, but we're not alone because we've got all these folks that, you know, can help us out. And another piece of this is we have annual, we have a meeting every year where we bring in, uh, you know, great speakers like you. Uh, you. I think you spoke to. Really, really good speakers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and, you know, we, we, we go over just the, the latest stuff that's going on in the industry. I mean, we're, yeah. we're talking about retirement plans for for older folks and how to make uh how to include mobile apps and yeah. uh in a, in a retirement plan strategy i mean but just basic yeah. stuff and then we have a number of folks that that need long-term care and and how do we make oh it affordable goodness, huge issue these days absolutely yeah yeah so that mm-hmm. that's what our group does we we all work together and and um 
yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a great group. So integrated financial group is a good bench resources you can pull yeah. on. Yeah. But you've got you're independent also. Yeah. You can work with your clients. You're not pulled in different directions no. by by a corporation. No. Best scenario. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Well, Wes, appreciate you coming and, yeah. and uh, sharing that with us today. This has been. Uh, Great talking to Wes Littlejohn with Marathon Financial Strategies. Thank you, Al. Awesome. This is Al Simon with Simon Says Let's Talk Business on Business Radio X. And um, so, Wes, it's great stuff. Uh, if, if people wanted to get a hold of you, Wes, how would they best do it? Uh, the best way to get a hold of me, hold of me would be, um, I think I've got my number. It'll be listed. Yeah, 770-493-6555 uh, or 770-353-6346. Okay, so... The one I've got here is 770-353-6346. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 770-353-6346. Excellent. That's yeah. Wes Littlejohn. And um, I'm telling you, if you're worried about your future and, and your legacy and, and how the money is going to end up going where, tax strategies, things mm-hmm. like that, call Wes. Does a great job. Thanks All for right. joining us. Thank you, Al. Yeah. So let's uh, turn our attention to Derek. Been sitting there waiting his turn. All good. Derek Harp, the uh, founder and CEO of the CyberList. Welcome. Thanks, Al. I'm excited about this because you're cybersecurity stuff, right, which is like that black box that everybody worries (laughs) about and not really sure what it means. Tell us a little bit about this cybersecurity problem that we all know exists but kind of want to ignore if possible. Sure, sure. And uh, and how come it's not getting fixed? Well, um, you, you are right. It's a it's kind of a black box to most people. You know, it's um it's a source of of uh, increasing anxiety for more and more folks. Um, my first exposure to it was in the mid '90s when I was a Navy officer, and at the time I didn't have any background before I was thrust into it and I started getting exposed to it. And um, my first business, which I started in 1997, was born out of this experience of at least the military was trying to do cutting edge things. I could look back now. And kind of laughable what we were Isn't doing really <laughs> but 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 that's compared, scary but compared to the rest of the world um you know i think you know computer security is 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 was an emerging thing then right um now if you fast forward it's everybody's problem it's not some exotic thing you read about in the magazines uh, of a large fortune 500 company or government body being hacked those of course still continue to occur and we yes. all read about those yes um but the average uh you know size has gotten much much smaller now um now anybody is vulnerable to this and they don't have to target you know, someone specifically. So hmm. it's not safe to be um, used to. We used to say uh, there's a, a security through obscurity, and it's just yeah. not true anymore. Um, being small or unknown doesn't make you not a target. They can find you through automated tools, and then once they discover there's an opening, go in and find out more about who you are. Um, so um, we're seeing more and more incidents with, you know, smaller and smaller companies. And uh, the reason it's a problem is we've created an entire society around connectivity. And yes. so it's a, it's not a it's a moving target. You know, we um, in 1997, the total expenditure for cybersecurity, uh, then called information security, was a billion dollars. Yeah. yeah, it was info security. So it's a yeah. billion dollars for the first time in 97. That's okay. the collective purchasing of goods and services to try to protect digital assets. Today, it's somewhere about 90 billion. Whoa! And it's projected to be anywhere between 120 and 170 billion in just the next five years. Goodness. So it isn't a problem where we're arriving. Um, it's a problem where we're spending more than we ever have before, and we're still not getting there. But we are digitally connecting everything as fast as we can and relying on it. So that's exactly. Why. Yeah, yeah, we're sitting around this table. We all have Wi-Fi going on and you know, tweets going out yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
So, and, and you yourself are uh, have have been, have started several companies, right? You've been a business owner and entrepreneur of several times. So you understand what the small and medium business market looks like, correct? Yeah, um, it, and that's kind of uh, an interesting segue to why I started this newest company, the CyberList. Um, I have been a small business owner, but I've been servicing largely Fortune 500 companies and government institutions for cybersecurity businesses, which is what I've been doing for 20 years. Those, of course, were the early best client choices. Uh, they yes. were the ones spending money on it. Um, but myself and a lot of my peer group, Entrepreneurs Organization, is something I'm very, very involved with now for also for about 18 years. Um, You've been in EO for 18 years? Yeah. Have you really? Yeah, wow. sure have, yeah. Uh, Columbus, I started as inducted into the Columbus, Ohio chapter of EO yeah. in 2001. Um, so the people I spend a lot of time with, um, I've not been helping them, but they've been asking questions and more and more every year. And I get a lot of these emails and phone calls, sometimes from people that I know, sure, and I do my best to, to help them out, uh, but increasingly also um, from people who I don't know. And this is where I really started thinking about um, what is the appropriate approach for middle market and smaller companies? And mm -hmm. so CyberList is, is really all about addressing those particular needs, which are different than a Fortune 500 company. Yeah, you, <clears throat> excuse me, you talk about uh, these people that own um, small companies, these people that work in the middle market companies, uh, your goal for them is to make sure that everyone is committed to having a process, right? But yep. that means behavioral change. You're on to two big, big themes for us. Um, so I liken cybersecurity to being a, a ladder, if you will, and my goal is to get people um, essentially on, on the ladder, you know, to climb to the next rung. Um, the higher end of the ladder is typically where people's mind goes, which is expensive to get mm -hmm. highly secure. Right. You are talking about uh, expenditures that are um, can be uncomfortable to get to that higher higher level. What I'm trying to do is say, stop looking up there. Also, don't get persuaded by consultants to spend to that level initially. It's not appropriate for everyone. It's unobtainable for some. So if you focus on the bottom, let's just say arbitrarily three rungs of the ladder, you can mitigate a huge amount of your risk by just getting those things done down at that level. And those are surprisingly cost-effective things. You said behavior change. That's a big, big part of what everybody can do. It's baseline true for any company of any size. If you can change the behavior of your, uh, of your employees, if you can get them to opt into changing their, their own behaviors, you can have a huge um, uh, reduction in your overall risk profile before you've spent any money on uh, on technological solutions. And some of those are obviously are appropriate. Right. But short of that, if you're a smaller company and you're saying, we haven't done anything, we're not sure what strategy to have, the first step is let's work on our people. We may need to climb to subsequent ladder rungs, okay. depending on what my company does. Uh, you know, and and part, partly, you know, we help people through the guidance on that. Is what is your your security situation? What are you trying to protect? What are your assets? So you're you're bringing them through all this. Yeah, a process. Okay, a process. And we don't even do all the things. Uh, you know, we call it the heavy lifting. We refer to people on the cyber list, which is why we named the company that. It's a it's a bit of a a, a nod to Angie's list. We, okay. we have a huge list um, and the, of, of providers for cybersecurity solutions. So part of what we do once we've helped people get a sense of where they are, assessing their situation, if you will, is then to get them referred to various, uh, you know, various parties. We don't work for those parties or take money from that. We work just for our clients. We are their lead advisor for cybersecurity strategy, if you will. Um, 
but there's always an appropriate referral, you know, that, that we can make for right. almost any size company. Well, given all of the um, of the insecurity and, and all of the mystery around, you know, really, how do I get secure? It would be great to have someone to help guide through that. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what, uh, you know, it's, it's almost daily now. I, yeah. I, I think that's what uh, is resonating with um, with the business leaders of middle market and smaller companies. They don't have a go-to person about this topic. I just got a referral yesterday, and the gist of it was they're already talking to a service provider. But the issue is if someone is speaking uh, ancient Greek to you, <laughs> um, that's tough. Right. And ancient Greek also tied to some price tags. Yeah. So we, you need to be doing these things, and you need to spend this money. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I know I need to do something, but I don't right. know what those steps are, and I don't even know whether I need to spend all this. I'm exactly. certainly reluctant to spend the higher numbers that some of these people are sharing with them. You need to take everything out of your network and redo it and all this sort uh. of stuff. And the truth is there's a much more pragmatic approach for most companies. Okay. You know, if you have drug formulas, you know, obviously this is not going to be a small company, but you, you, the idea of deep... Uh, intellectual property, the theft of which will ruin your company and you'll lose, you know, 10 years of work, you need to be doing a lot more, you know, no offense, than a building contractor. But I would suggest to the building contractor, and I do this quite regularly, you you do need to take some steps. There's just not the same steps or maybe not as many steps as uh, as another company. So, and so talk about the rungs of the ladder and the steps and things, but there's, there, there's words out there that confuse those of us who are not you know, as geekish as we should be, maybe. But uh, can you help us understand things like what is phishing? What is ransomware? What, what, what is all that about? Yeah, well, those are uh, it's, it's great terms to bring up. To uh, th Those are terms that everybody should be familiar with because they are the most common um, negative event. Uh, right. they're, they're amongst the top, you know, top three or four things that somebody might experience at any size company. Now, phishing is essentially, the heart of it is uh, any... Uh, communication mechanism most often let's say it's an email it's not restricted to email it can be text messages as well but sending you something to get you to respond to click on a link to open an attachment to interact with me and we've all gotten those yeah yeah and we and wonder if we open should open them or not but the answer is don't right don't don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I do a lot to raise the suspicion around those in part yeah. of my my keynotes and lectures I do a lot of public speaking on this which I really enjoy um, and Wes, when, you see that another great speaker oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. we got another great speaker. Yeah. when people um, are willing to do it I I fish my audiences two days ahead that uh, takes coordination with whoever's hiring me to speak. But um, I'm getting 40 to 60% of business owners are falling prey to these. Oh, wow. And mine are carefully calculated not to be overly clever. Um, they're not the Nigerian prince looking to repatriate $9 million, but they're somewhere yeah. in the middle. Um, and then I take people through, when I do the presentation, I take them through a build. I show the actual email, the fish, and I say, here are all the tells that were in this. You should not have interacted with this. Yeah. You should have run as soon as you saw it, but you didn't. Most of you didn't. Here's, you know, here are the things you should be looking for. Um, those emails are carrying the, the links to malicious payloads. Now, all they want to do is get that software onto you, and that could be crypto ransomware which is taking off like crazy. And that's just essentially trick you, fish you, trick you to to download this malicious software, which you will not see or detect. Uh, but now it's in there. Now it's in there. If it gets a chance, lock up or encrypt everything that it can touch, either everything on that particular, let's say, computer, or maybe spread on the network, depending on the network is designed, and encrypt everything, lock it up. And yes. without a key, you can't get all any access to any of your data. And they'll be glad to give you that key for a price, hence the... Ransom. Ransom where? Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting when you say you speak and you, you fish in advance. And we call that, in, our, in the train industry, we call that a trap exercise. 
Yeah, gotcha. Right? Yeah. And now, now yeah. So then that's the way people learn. So that's yeah. an excellent way of doing that. Yeah. So what about things like wire transfer fraud? I mean, what do, we need, do we need to worry about stuff like that? Yeah, that, that is one of the other ones. So crypto ransomware, is, I, I would say, is uh, one of the top uh, three you know, um, things that businesses of all sizes, especially middle market and smaller companies, are vulnerable to. Um, that phishing email can get you to pay, download a payload or... Those emails can get you to, uh, you know, to participate in, you know, kind of be duped into um, a wire transfer scheme. Okay. And this is also taking off. Both of these are billions of dollars being uh, being lost, siphoned out by wire transfer fraud, and billions of dollars in ransoms now being paid as well. Goodness. So it's big money. Wow. Um, it's growing in sophistication. There's even customer support because oftentimes for ransomware, they want you to pay with cryptocurrency. So they'll even help you through that process if you have never paid with a cryptocurrency yet. Yeah. Um, so it's becoming more sophisticated because it's big money. The wire transfer scheme is what can I do? What what can I say in an email to trick you into wiring money somewhere else, which is quickly then wired somewhere else, uh, and then somewhere else probably. It recovery is is very unlikely. Um, so it's not like oh it's bank to bank right I can get it. Well there's non credible banks or there's less you know, less uh, credible banks out there. And if it's moved a number of times, um, essentially it's lost forever. It's siphoned out yeah. and removed, removed from the system. So never respond to those things and just call your bank or your banker and say, what is this? And they'll... Yeah, the yeah. most common one, though, is internal. Um, it's it's yeah. an employee emailing uh, the CEO or the CFO. It's, it's an internal thing saying, hey, I need you to do this. Or the CEO, what looks to be a message from a position of authority to right. someone in the company, wire this out immediately. And it can have context. Because if, in fact, they've compromised the email system, it can say, hey, it was great seeing you at the Super Bowl party last weekend, which, by the way, is true. Um, um, I'm going to be in a board meeting for the next three or four hours, and I need this wire transfer to go out you know, right away. Wow. Mm. First thing someone can do, non-technical, again, back to this behavior change, two-party integrity. Somebody, two people need to be involved at our company. This needs to, everybody needs to adopt oh, this. Oh, that makes sense. We yeah. don't do wire transfers. And, in fact... We don't initiate requests for wire transfers of our customers, our clients, or anybody, and we put it in our emails. You're never going to get an email from us saying, hey, let's do a wire transfer. It just isn't going to happen here. So that's a non-technical, just change the behavior and communicate that that's the way we're going to do it. And, and when two people are involved in approving things, the risk profile goes down. Awesome. You also have this thing, this uh, uh, this concept called cybersecurity minefield. What are you talking about there? When you oh, say traveler's minefield. Or oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, yeah. I, I've got um, in in one of my um, presentations uh, that I uh, will do more or less of depending on a company's profile. But if it's one that has a lot of business travels uh, involved, then I'll talk about business travel. There's a whole whole host of risks, um, and so yeah, I've got a I've got a. Uh, uh, an old kind of uh, uh, tip of the cap to the uh, Minesweeper game that Microsoft oh, yeah. had. Used. Yeah. Okay. So it's 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 showing essentially traveler's minefield, um, and there are a number of things. You know, one uh, that is certainly the traveler's minefield, but it's also all of ours. Um, a particular mine is connecting to unsecured wireless networks. Okay. We really can't do that anymore. We can't say it's a coffee shop. It's okay for me. It's a well-known brand of hotel or coffee shops wireless. It's okay for me to jump on this uh, unsecured wire network, wireless network, and the answer really is no. Don't do that. Tether to your Just phone. Don't. Yeah. Tether the phone. Okay. Connect to your yeah. hotspot on your phone. Yeah. And um, that mitigates a huge amount of risk. And in most cases, it's going to work just as well. And um, so. Great tip. Yeah. Great tip. That's awesome. This is. Uh, been a great conversation with Derek Harp, the uh, founder and CEO of the CyberList. Derek, you've, you have uh, been very generous in your advice here in this show. Uh, and if, if people want to learn more about the CyberList and about what you can do and, this, and maybe get, uh, have you as a speaker, things like that, 
how can they best get a hold of you? Uh, learning at the cyberlist.com. Learning at the cyberlist.com. Yep. Simple enough. Thanks for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having yeah. me. Yeah. So Derek Harp, the uh, founder and CEO of the Cyberlist, and Wes Littlejohn, uh, financial advisor with Marathon Financial uh, Strategies. Uh, appreciate y'all uh, being here with us today. And uh, so we're going to finish the show a little bit differently than we have here on uh, Simon Says Let's Talk Business on, on Business Radio X. I'm going to spend a couple minutes here talking about a sales tip. Hey. And if you guys have some uh, input into this or something you want to ask about or interject, just mm -hmm. go ahead and do it. But uh, today I want to talk about the budget conversation, which is mm -hmm. typically a conversation if you're working a deal, typically a conversation that most people who are selling want to stay away from. I mean, you know, back in my early days of selling, I didn't talk about money until they got my proposal. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that's when the fight began, right? Because, oh, well, yeah, that's way more than we thought. And then you fight and fight and fight, and then it kind of goes away. So before you quote, you know, before you render any kind of proposal at all, before you even do a presentation about your solution, long before that, you should have a conversation with the prospect and asking is it is this if it's a project is it funded if it's uh, an expenditure is it budgeted uh, and if the answer is no it's not funded or budgeted then you've got to say so how were you thinking about going ahead and funding this and you got to have that conversation because the bottom line is if you spend a lot of time and effort putting together a proposal trying to get someone to buy from you only if only to find out that they can't get the money budgeted until the next cycle which could be next year or you know, they got to get the funds released from somebody you're not talking to or whatever the situation might be, you're dead in the water in most mm -hmm. cases. All right, so the, the rule is no money, no sale. <laughs> That's <laughs> the rule. Make sure you're doing all that ahead of time before you do the quota proposal to see if they're willing and able. That's the key phrase, willing and able to invest enough money, time, and effort or resources to, to do business with you. It's, it's ballpark. It's not exact. But it's just a, a, an easy conversation. So, Wes, do it with me, okay, because you know the drill, okay? Okay. So, Wes, I'm uh, just curious. This, this is a lot of stuff that you want to get done. I don't suppose you've got a budget set aside for this, do you? Uh, I do, actually, Al. Yeah? Well, I, that's great. Would, would you mind sharing with me in round numbers how much we have to work with? Uh, Fifty, fifty to $60,000, Okay. Al. All right. And that's in the short term, budgeted yeah. for this Yeah, in the this short cycle? term. Okay. Yeah. Well, you probably are going to be interested to know. I don't think we'll need to spend $50,000. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think your investment might be, might be a bit less than that. Okay. Is it okay if we keep going in yeah, our let's conversations? Keep going. Yeah, Sounds perfect. Great. So that's all it is. It's real simple. Now, Wes could have easily said, no, it's not budgeted. Yeah. He could have easily said that, in which case I would have said, hey, look, not unusual. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, he's, he's feeling not okay right now if he doesn't have a budget. I'm asking about his budget. So I just got to say, not unusual. <laughs> problem goes away yeah and then I say how are you thinking about how we could go ahead and get this mm -hmm. done and then we work through that and if it looks like it's just not going to happen short term because there's not either money time or mm -hmm. effort available then I'm going to be the one that says why don't we table this for a couple of months what do you think that sounds fair and then there we go so it's two people having a frank conversation and again this is long before you know a quote or proposal or a presentation about your solution and problem goes away and then w as long as you have the expectation set that once you do render your proposal, that a decision, yes or no, is going to be imminent you know, within a reasonable period of time, you're cool. So that's the okay. uh, sales tip of the day from Al Simon at Sandler Training. We've had a great time today on Simon Says Let's Talk Business on Business Radio X. 
with Wes Littlejohn of Marathon Financial Services, Derek Karp of the CyberList. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Al. All right, guys. Take care. All right. Take care.